Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. We thank you for choosing the Portland Center for Spiritual Living as your place of spiritual inspiration and spiritual upliftment today. We know that you have many, many, many choices and opportunities, and we thank you for choosing to be here. And a shout out to our podcast listeners across the globe. Wherever you are, you are welcome. And if you're ever in the Portland area, know that our doors are wide open and we embrace you with wide open arms. So our theme this month is freedom. And we're working through Freedom Seeker, the book, by Beth Kempton. And here's one of the things that we've done over the last three weeks is we've set forth a very mighty intention of being free. Now, one of the things that I know about setting an intention, when we claim that intention, is that the universe immediately responds and goes to work to bring it into reality. And what I also know about setting a clear intention is that anything that is unlike the truth of that intention, begins to surface. So if we're talking about being free, anything that binds us is going to start showing up. And one of the things we do in Science of Mind is I think we do an absolutely fabulous job of claiming intentions and setting intentions and saying, here's where we want to go. We do visioning. We don't always talk about when those old beliefs start surfacing and butt heads with that new clear intention. In some places, it's called chemicalization. It means that the old is surfacing and sort of creating chaos, but the new is emerging. So today I am choosing to address that emergence of when that new intention of being free is being held steadfast to, but all those old beliefs, those limiting beliefs that start surfacing, that start to butt heads with it, start creating chaos in our life. And what we're going to be looking at in who do I want to become, we're going to be looking at three specific things. One, we're going to be looking at letting go of emotional concrete shoes, those things that weigh us down. We're going to be looking at embracing the rumble of vulnerability. Oh yeah, standing there wide open. And then we're going to be looking at allowing the divine to shine ever more brilliantly. So let's get started. Letting go of emotional cement concrete shoes. Beth did a great job in her book of identifying the trademarks of being free. She listed several things in two categories, the way we're being free in our body, how we're going to feel that, and being free in our mind. And so here's what she said, in the body, lightness, relaxed, strong, energized, carefree, we feel beautiful, we're physically flexible, we feel taller, we have heightened senses, there's zest, and we're smiling, there's a sense of aliveness, we're buoyant, healthy, and we're able to breathe more deeply. And she said, in our mind, when we are being free, we're centered, open, 
content, joyful, creative, inspired, carefree, giddy. We feel younger. We're vital, awake, empowered, safe, uncluttered. We have clarity, full of ideas. We're enthusiastic, sunny, motivated, connected. We have a sense of growth, expansiveness. We're focused. We're calm. We're present. We're confident. And we're happy. Now, isn't that a beautiful mental equivalent? Okay. However, there are two cement shoes that will keep us from being free, from being able to soar to our loftiest dream. There are two major shoulds that we place on ourselves, and they are called guilt and shame. Oh, yes, guilt and shame. And one of the clearest distinctions I've ever heard was provided by Dr. Amit Goswami when I was taking his uh, class called The Quantum Doctor. He is a renowned quantum physicist. And here's what he told us in class. He said, guilt is castigating of one's own self because we didn't do something that was expected. So he said, it's passive. We didn't do something. And when we let it go, we receive self-love and energy in our heart center. So guilt constricts the heart. Shame, he said, is respect for self is reduced because of something we did. It's active. We did do something. And when we let it go, we get self-respect and there's energy in our solar plexus. Now, what do we know about our solar plexus? It's that inner state of knowingness. This is where we know that we know that we know. It's inner guidance. So if we're losing energy, we're off balance. We're not clear. We don't feel confident in going forward. And both guilt and shame lead to, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not enough, you fill in the blanks. I'm not wealthy enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not creative enough. Whatever it is, they lead to not enough. And I think all of us know what that feels like in our body. So I'll give you a personal example of guilt. I was raised in a very, very strict Catholic home. And I went to parochial grade school from kindergarten through eighth grade. When I got to eighth grade, my mother was called in to school, and I thought, oh, God, what did I do now? Because I sort of challenged the doctrine of the Catholic Church. But what happened was my instructor, Sister Mary Grace, had decided that I had the capacity of being an excellent teacher, and she thought I should go to the convent. And so she called my mother in, to talk about, you know, because that would start in ninth grade, sending me to the convent. So my mother came home, and she had this little conference around the kitchen table. And she said, now, Marilyn, you know, Sister Mary Grace is talking about you going to the convent. And I had this horrified look on my face. I go, but mom, why would anybody want to do that? There's no boys there. <laughs> Well, my mother, being a very strict Catholic, sort of just took that in stride. She never pushed the issue. But here's what really happened. See, I thought I won. I thought, whew, I'm living free. I get to do what I want to do. What really happened was guilt was planted in my subconscious 
because I didn't live up to the expectations of someone that I thought was an authority figure. For me, growing up in a strict Catholic family, the priests and the nuns were the ultimate authority, and you never questioned their authority. Well, here I came up and said, I'm not going to the convent. There aren't any boys there. Well, it showed up in terms of feeling not worthy enough. So what did I do? I overcompensated. became an overachiever. It's always one more thing that I have to do. And, oh, I'll do one more project, and then it's good enough. And, of course, it wasn't. I was driving myself and everyone else around me crazy. I was being a perfectionist. So that's what guilt can look like. I'll talk about shame in a little bit. But we can ask ourselves a great question if we want to know, is there any guilt and shame, this residual in our subconscious? I discovered it. A friend shared with me a book on emotional openness in terms of building relationships. And here's the question. Are there parts of myself I don't feel comfortable sharing? And if so, why? Well, that's what came up when I answered that question, guilt, and I traced it all the way back to eighth grade. So as we allow these hidden emotions to surface and to be open to being um, vulnerable, we know that we're embracing more of what science of mind teaches, and that is perfect God, perfect human, perfect individual. We're embracing our perfection. And in 365 Science of Mind, it states, every time we make a claim about ourselves that is different from the claim we would make about God, we are falling into the error of de denying the divine presence in our experience. So we are denying, we are pushing away the truth of our being, which is the divinity within. Science of mind also teaches that principle is not bound by precedent, meaning the past does not equal the future, so that we have the free choice, we have free will to be able to let it go. It does require, however, being vulnerable. And that's when we start to go, can I really do this? And so Brene Brown, many of us are familiar with Brene Brown because we featured several of her books here, but she's a leading researcher on shame and vulnerability. And what she shares is that vulnerability has two sides. One is that we can take a look at it and fear disconnection because we believe there's something about ourselves that if anyone else knew, we would not be worthy of love. She said that's what shame can be defined as. And she said, and, remember that in Science of Mind, we always live in the and. There's the appearance of a condition, and there's the truth. She said, and, it is also the birthplace of joy, creativity, of belonging, love, and connection. And so we get to choose. Are we willing to continue to stuff, repress, sublimate, do all of these defense mechanisms with our shame and guilt? Or are we willing to be vulnerable, to place ourselves in that openness and allow ourselves to be in the place, a birthplace, 
of joy, creativity, belonging, and connection. Well, this past week, I saw one of the most profound examples of women embracing vulnerability. Many of you may have also seen the um, Excellence in Sports Performance Yearly Awards. It was Wednesday night. And on Wednesday evening, 141 women who are survivors of the Larry Nassar sexual abuse scandal took the stage bedecked in evening gowns and absolutely stood shoulder to shoulder in a spirit of overcoming. They were courageous. They stood and they received the Arthur Ashe Courage Award, which is presented annually to those whose contributions transcend sports. And for anyone who doesn't know who Arthur Ashe is, he became the first and remains the only African-American male tennis player to win the U.S. Open and Wimbledon. Now, here's what one of the survivors said as she stood on stage that night. She said, make no mistake, we are here on this stage to present an image for the world to see, a portrait of survival, a new vision of courage. Now, in science of mind, we call that a mental equivalent. We call that a new mental equivalent. We are talking about a new magnet to attract good. No longer did the women perceive themselves as victims. They stood shoulder to shoulder, beaming in absolute open-hearted vulnerability and courage because this is the new face of going forward, of rising above and being resilient. And so one of the things that our author, Beth, says is, as we're going through these spaces of maybe guilt and shame kind of pushing us in the face, sort of showing up in places when it gets a little messy and it isn't really convenient for it to show up, she said, choose and find a flock. Well, please know that Portland Center for Spiritual Living is your flock. This is where it's a safe place to allow yourself to be vulnerable. There's plenty of prayer support here. There are plenty of people who love and care about you, and it is totally okay to allow yourself to be vulnerable. And when we do, that's when we start allowing the divine to shine. Remember when I opened up and I said that every time we make a claim that is other than a claim that we would make about God, we are falling into the error of denying the divine presence in our experience. So when we make a choice to let go of the cement shoes of guilt and shame, when we make a choice to allow ourselves to become vulnerable, yes, we're standing there with like open arms and it can be very, very scary. When we make that choice, we are also allowing more of the divine to shine through us because we're no longer denying it. We are saying, just like our song says, in the light, in the love, and in the glory. That is the truth of who we are. Just as Marilyn shared with us, be love and allow yourself to be loved in return. This is what starts to shine through. 
So part of activating that new mental equivalent is to bring a strong emotion to it. Here's what Ernest Holmes, founder of Science of Mind, states. He said, um, the creative power responds to feeling more quickly than to any other mental attitude. So the feeling that was on that stage on Wednesday night of that powerful new mental equivalent, this is what I'm asking each of you to go back into your history and look at where is a feeling that is so powerful, that is so palpable, and you can attach it to your new mental equivalent of being free. That's your homework, by the way. And here's what came up for me. And I was surprised at what came up because it takes me all the way back to when I was in high school. And when I was in high school, I played the, played the clarinet in the band. And as, as a sophomore, we received a new band director. And I always thought he was kind of a type A, alpha male, highly competitive. But what he did is he took this kind of straggly band and he turned us into a high-performing marching band. He was keen into competition and we were going to compete. Now here's what he did. He found a new dance line. We weren't just going to go down and march. He found a new dance line. The way they showed up, black fishnet stockings, tuxedo tails, black top hats. They were at the very front of our band. Right behind it were row upon row upon row of these brilliant colored flags. And then came the marching band. And we rehearsed and we rehearsed and we rehearsed and we were precision and we were a unit of moving as one. So when we would go to competitions, he was right up front, and he would give a whistle signal that we were approaching the viewing stand. And you could feel the electricity moving through the band all the way to the back that it's called pay attention, get alert, time's here, showtime. And when we were in position, he gave another uh, signal and we played full force and with all kinds of dance and precision routines, Hey, looked me over. It's from a 1960 musical, Wildcat. It's the underdog song because we were a small school competing with much larger schools. And here we were in full force and we moved as one. We trusted each other. We knew everyone knew their part. Everyone was doing their part. And we absolutely believed that at the end of that performance, we were all going to be in step because what was our, our band director doing? He was standing at the front, keeping the pace of the step for us to move out. All we had to do was do our part and we watched him and we immediately knew how to step out. So this is the truth of our silent partner. God is always with us. God is always there leading our path, leading our rhythm, guiding us and directing us. We are never alone. So when we're feeling vulnerable, when we're ready to say, let that divine shine, we have a guide. We have the rhythm. We have the pace. And we have the internal guidance to do that. 
So I'm encouraging you, go back in your memory and find that moment where you felt electric. You felt alive. You felt connected. You knew you were at your best. For me, it goes all the way back to high school marching band. And that song, Hey, Look Me Over, one of the phrases is, look out world, here I come. And so as we stand, opening to the divine, it isn't ego saying, look out world, here I come. It's the truth of our being say, do you know to whom you're speaking? I am somebody because I am of the living spirit. There's a big difference between ego and allowing the divine presence. Big difference. And so, yes, let that divine shine. Let that divine presence be the truth of who you are. Express it. Allow it. Embrace it. And when you're scared, come to Portland Center for Spiritual Living and allow us to pray. We'll hold the truth for you. It can be that simple, because that's one of the things that uh, Beth tells us is find your flock, find those people who can support you, who can embrace you, who can enfold you, and then allow yourself to shine. So let's take a quick review. Where have we been? First, if we're going to shine, we absolutely must be willing to let go of guilt and shame. There is no place for guilt and shame if we're ready to shine brightly. Next, it does require being vulnerable, and it takes courage. We need to be brave, and it's oh so worth it because it's the birthplace of creativity, of love, of joy, and of connection. And then as we allow the divine to shine, we are activating that new mental equivalent with something that reminds us we're not alone, we are totally connected, we have absolute trust that we have a silent partner that's with us every step of the way. In this way, we go forward to do that which is ours to do, to encourage and create a world that works for everyone. And in our closing prayer today, I'm doing something a little bit different. This is a poem that many may be familiar with because it's been circulating on the uh, internet. And I kind of have a, an awareness meter. It's like if something comes once, it's like, oh, that's nice. Something comes twice, I'm like, hmm, maybe I better pay attention. If something comes three times, it's like, Marilyn, wake up. It's like when it came around the third time, I was like, that's my closing prayer. Pay attention. And so it's called She Let Go. It's by Reverend Sapphire Rose. And it is written in the personal uh, feminine pronoun, but it is universal. So I invite you to get comfortable. If you're comfortable closing your eyes, that's great. If not, just sort of allow these words to penetrate the mind. She let go. Without a thought or a word, she let go. She let go of fear. She let go of judgments. She let go of the confluence of opinions swarming around her head. She let go of the committee of indecision within her. She let go of all the right reasons, wholly and completely, without hesitation or worry. She just let go. She didn't ask anyone for advice. She didn't read a book on how to let go. She didn't search the scriptures. 
she just let go. She let go of all the memories that held her back. She let go of all the anxiety that kept her from moving forward. She let go of the planning and all the calculations about how to do it just right. She didn't promise to let go. She didn't journal about it. She didn't write the projected date in her day timer. She made no public announcement and put no ad in the paper. She didn't check the weather report or read her daily horoscope. She just let go. She didn't analyze whether she should let go. She didn't call her friends to discuss the matter. She didn't do a five-step spiritual mind treatment. She didn't call the prayer line. She didn't utter one word. She just let go. No one was around when it happened. There was no applause or congratulations. No one thanked her or praised her. No one noticed a thing. Like a leaf falling from a tree, she just let go. There was no effort. There was no struggle. It wasn't good and it wasn't bad. It was what it was and it is just that. And in the space of letting go, she let it all be. A small smile came over her face. A light breeze blew through her. And the sun and the moon shone forever. And for this truth of absolute freedom as our divine inheritance, we give thanks, we let it be, and together we say, and so it is. And thank you for choosing to be here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.